Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi, friends. Welcome to our discussion of the Crowded Room finale. Let's do our round of introductions and dive in. Hi, I'm Rachel. Hi, I am Yulia. Hi, I'm Kimberly. And I'm Kate. So this episode is entitled Judgment, and it was written by Suzanne Heathcote, Greg Lessons, and Akiva Goldsman, and directed by Mona Fastfold. The episode opens outside of the jail, and then it moves into Danny's cell. And we'd mentioned at the end of the last episode, I think, that it was surprising that none of his alters showed up to deal with his devastation after the court hearing. And she did not get there before he cut himself, but Ariana's there in the bed talking to him now, trying to get him to wake up. And he says, it's quiet. It's never been quiet before, before she starts screaming at him and shoves him off the bed, blood everywhere. I got goosebumps just now. Yeah. You were reciting that because I was like, like, oh God, Ariana is back. I thought like she's gone for good, kind of. Like, like yeah. some of the elders did because as we kind of get to know in this episode um jack drowned them right yeah so i feel like ariana is one of those elders that is not needed anymore and she's just gone for good and and it was kind of cool to see her again and like yeah come back i guess she saved him right by pushing him yeah. off the bed <laughs> yeah she did and it's also just nice to see sasha lane again i just like her yeah, she's cool. She's got a great vibe. I just feel like yeah. she'd be really fun to hang out with. Yeah, she does seem like that. <laughs> but yeah, she's saved she saved Danny's life here. And yeah. She's like, you know, I, I realized like Johnny and Mike are kind of like his buddies. Like they were the ones who were outwardly like or supposed to be the ones that were his friends at school and stuff, but I feel like he's closest to Ariana. Yeah. Um, they seem to have a special bond. Right. I sometimes think that that he wants to be Ariana the most, kind of, you know, because she's like outgoing and, and makes friends easily. And well, it's interesting with her, too, because she does acknowledge like sexual abuse, you know, like she does acknowledge that she was abused. Mm -hmm. So in some way, Danny's accepting through her what actually happened, like not fully. But I don't know. It's interesting. It is. Well, once he realizes that she's an altar, I'm wondering if that's if he puts that together, like her story happened to him. Right. She goes away pretty quickly, right? Uh -huh. And he realizes she's an altar. So maybe that's just to protect himself. Maybe. This is the last time we see this beautiful intro. I still like it just as much as I did the first time. I really love this intro. And then Stan's trying to get some prescription meds before his refill date and the pharmacist isn't going to help him. Actually, I guess he's, it looks like he's at like a veteran, like a VA kind of place, yeah, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Until he throws a very loud tantrum about serving his country and how these are what he's owed. And the guy wants to calm him down and slides a packet to him across the counter. And Stan is calm again. I was kind of surprised he like gave in to the tantrum. So are, the, are they saying that like his isn't a prescription? No. Because it's like a benzo, like Xanax. It's a controlled substance is what it's called in America anyway. And they watch yeah. that a lot more carefully. When you can refill it, you definitely can't refill it until it's been like 28 days since the last one. Because if you're if you're trying to refill it too soon, that means you're not taking it per, per uh, prescribed. There's so many people who misuse these kind of drugs. 
I don't know if it's more now than like 30 years ago or something, but it's habit forming. He's an addict to to this. Yeah, I think that's what they're indicating is that he's overusing the medication. For sure. I mean, he talks later about the PTSD, but I put a note that this might be why he can relate to what Danny's going through. Like Danny's going through a different kind of mental illness, but since Mm he uh, is going through his own type, that's maybe why he can uh, relate a little bit easier to to Danny's. Yeah, I agree. And they, they only give him a few pills and I'm not, it almost looked like he took more than one at once. I was like, I don't know if that's going to get him through the day. Like rushing it too. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes home, down some pills, the phone rings. It's the judge, and Stan looks even more bummed than he already did. Back at school, Raya's getting a tongue lashing for missing classes and putting too much into this kid. When he tells her it's time to step away from the case and she doesn't immediately reply, he infuriatingly tells her, Good girl, as condescendingly as humanly possible and then tops it off with don't let emotions get in the way of the work we do and she points out emotions are like the whole purpose of the work that we do so why shouldn't we allow them to be part of the equation uh he just blows her off his wife's probably got a warm dinner and a cold beer ready on the table for him after all and he bounces i loved her pushing back um i love that why not aren't emotions the reason we do what we do if they mm. aren't, shouldn't they be? I love that. And I liked it because she's not afraid to stand up to a male in authority. And she's always pointing out the gender power differential, the, that men are being favored over women. And she doesn't, you know, have any scruples about throwing that in his face. So yeah. I love the fact that she doesn't step step down to him or just like diminish herself. She stands up to him and and uh, also that the professor is referring to emotions like it's a bad thing and also associating that with her being female. Yeah, yeah. Likely. It's very much a feminine, yeah, uh, sexist comment. Mm-hmm. And I hate that guy. He's so... It's awful. Yeah, awful. that's why I'm, I'm glad she doesn't take it. Right. She stands up to him. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Stan's waiting for her, Raya on her steps when she gets home to break the news about Danny's suicide attempt, which Raya can't believe she didn't see coming. Suicidal ideation is common, it seems. I thought it was interesting, even in this scene, we don't know until, like, the last line in the scene whether he succeeded or not. They don't say outright until Stan says, tonight's crucial, like, he's got to make it through the night. Did you guys yeah, wonder for a minute? I did, no? I did. I, I, like, as I was typing my notes, one of my lines was, fuck, is he really dead? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The way I, I actually temporarily thought that that he had really died. Right. Um, but the next scene we learn he must be doing okay because they're making him come to court at the end of the week. They are acknowledging it as a medical delay, but that's kind of bad news too because Stan says the jury will know and suicide attempts typically indicate guilt. So basically they're getting the worst of, of this situation. And when Raya and Stan get to jail, they find Jack who dismisses them handily. Jack's point is it's pretty inevitable at this point. Danny's going to be in prison in a couple of days. So he's going to need Jack then. So on your way. I just love how Tom Holland like embodies every character because as soon as he was just like staring straight at her, I knew exactly it was that it was Jack. Like he's so good at all of the alters. He's, yeah. he's doing a superb job. Yeah, and I was curious. I haven't done it yet. I, I keep meaning to to like watch Tom Holland as himself in an interview. Is it the same British accent, or is he changing his accent when he's Jack at all? Does it? Has anyone noticed? 
I think it's a little different. Yeah, yeah it's, different. it's a little different. I mean, he could just default to his own accent. To well, I'm wondering if he, well, he can't, he and Jason have to come to some sort of agreement, right? Because they're both doing this accent. So I'm wondering if it's actually Jason's accent or not. Jason Isaacs, who's playing Jack. I just YouTubed a video of Jason Isaac. His voice, I would say, as Jack is more like his own, but it's actually also quite different. So they must have, like, yeah, come together to make it more. He definitely sounds more posh as Jack. Which makes sense because, 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 like, Jack is supposed to be this, like, really sophisticated person, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Inside the barn in Danny's head, Jack walks over to Danny in the barn and says, that's another fine mess you've gotten me into, Stanley, which when I Googled was... I learned was maybe a slight misquote, but it's intended to reference Oliver Hardy's catchphrase from the Laurel and Hardy movies of the 30s. Yeah. Anyway, Jack's not only taking over for Danny in this situation, but he's actually locking him into a cell in the barn, threatening to fill the room with water, too. Cold. The world out there is not for vulnerable Danny. And Danny just lays down in the hay in his hospital gown. I do love the barn shots, though. I love barn lighting. The light filtering through the slats. It's just really cool. I would say that this episode, well, apart from the one where we saw a lot of the barns, the lighting is absolute. like, it's just this show, whoever does the lighting, like, shout out to you because it's incredible. Yeah, agreed. Earlier on when we saw, like, the flash of even Danny just laying in the hospital bed and then they flashed to Stan and Raya, like, sleeping or just napping, waiting to see, well, if Danny was, I guess, still alive. Yeah, the lighting there was amazing, like, throughout the whole episode. It's so nice. The DP, the cinematographer on this one is William Rexer, and he's on yeah. most of the episodes, and they've been fantastic. Also kind of later, as you said, Kimberly, when um, even though, like, the light of the barn is gone, like, but when um, Adam comes through, yeah. Like we we also have the light, or also when when Danny in the barn comes through again, like it's not this big light in the spot, but like you see always the light around those characters, and that's really well done. Back at the diner with Raya and Stan, Raya wants to know what they're gonna do, and Stan has accepted they're gonna lose. It happens. Definitely not his first rodeo in the losers column, it seems. Raya asks then if there was a suicide note or anything that Danny left when he cut himself. And Stan tells her that all they found was a drawing of Adam on the bed. And he shows her the drawing. And then she starts grilling Stan on his drug usage. What is it he's taking Clonopin hand over fist to treat? Which is a bold ask, but he tells her stuff from the war, which she also pushes. What? And I think people rarely like push this much but he's willing and he tells her he lost men in the war and he takes responsibility for that not only for losing them but because he was ROTC so he was not drafted he actually signed up and she tells him how unreasonable it is that he's taking all their deaths on him to the extent that he does just because he signed up for the army and gives him some free therapy which suddenly becomes a huge revelation to her such that they need to urgently run out of the restaurant We make the bad things happen to us, our fault. And until we accept it's not all our fault, we can't begin to heal. Um, They do pay the bill, which I appreciate because I feel like lots of shows with abrupt departures like this do not think about the bill. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, people just run out and you're like, wait, the food's free. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
I like Stan. Like, there's a lot of like little lines. Like, she's like, "Do you have a car? Is it close?" And he's like, "I have a, I do have a close car." I don't know, like little lines like that, where like his delivery is pretty funny, and he would, I would miss <laughs> yeah. it if I weren't paying so much attention. On the ride, she reveals what this revelation is vaguely. I mean, that Danny just needs to be shown that it wasn't his fault. That's what works with him. He's beautiful that way. That was that was a sweet line. I liked when she said, "He's beautiful that way." Mm-hmm. Um, their destination was a surprise to me, though. It's Candy at work who hands her mm-hmm. an envelope all like bitchily, but she hands it to her nonetheless, I suppose. She barely even looked at her. I think Candy probably just like loathes herself at this point. And I'm honestly surprised that that wasn't a suicide attempt by her and not Danny. Right. Yeah, I don't know how you live with yourself. Ugh. Yeah, the next scene, they're going to court. Raya is scribbling in the hall when Stan points out that she's supposed to be in class and she tells him she was given the choice to come to court today and lose her job or go to work and she chose Danny. Professors are old anyway. Maddie comes in to wish him luck and flirt with Raya, though the you take care at the end didn't seem too promising for their future. Meh, sad. Luckily, they're married in real life, right, Kimberly? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Amanda Seyfried and Thomas Sadowski married since... 2017 that's pretty good that's pretty good that's pretty good <laughs> i love their family uh, on instagram like she has so many animals and like yeah. they must they must live on a farm and they have dogs and oh, like really? ducks and like oh how cute danny walks into court no it's jack still says it's strange walking onto the pitch with the game already over i should have come earlier this could have been fun and then <clears> despite knowing it's jack Stan calls Danny to the stand, which was very unexpected. Yeah, I love that line that Jack said about like he would have enjoyed himself maybe if yeah. he was here. Like, <laughs> yeah, he would have too. You can tell. I don't fully get why Jack wants to tank the case for Danny, but I guess just because he'd rather prison than a mental facility where they might make him go away. Yeah, I think that's just the whole point is that he just mm-hmm. wants to stick around. He doesn't want to end up drowning in the water like the rest. Yeah. Yeah, it's so strange to think, though, because, like, I thought the purpose of the altars was to help Danny not to be selfish and, and you know, want what's best for the, for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're supposed to protect him, but also they like existing, so they're selfish. You're right. It feels like as if Jack wants to be the controlling power, you know? Tom Holland's performance here is interesting too because his British is coming out like a very little, like he's somewhere in between Jack and Danny here, but much closer to Danny's accent. And then as it goes on, obviously he gets to his Jack accent when he gets agitated, but um, it's just like a whole nother role, Jack pretending to be Danny. I think of all of the um, variations of Tom's performance playing the altars, my favorite is when he's playing Jack, who's pretending to be Danny, and trying to put on an American accent, it slips just the littlest bit and it starts to like come through just a little bit. When um, uh, Danny is be- or Jack is being sworn in, I noticed that his uh, his fingers were curled. Like when he was, he was put, he both when his hand was raised and, and when he put his hand on the Bible. And yeah. um, at first I was like confused, like why, why is his hand like that? Then I was thinking he's still healing from the, oh right like maybe he can't extend his fingers oh that's a good thought i didn't i didn't think about that anyway jack and danny tells a tale of an abusive father yes but towards his wife candy and that the shooting in rockefeller was supposed to just scare 
Danny's stepfather into leaving Candy, but it was basically revenge for Candy, not sexual abuse. Stan stops the proceedings and announces to the judge that he has a hostile witness, and the judge responds, well, he's your witness, and Stan asks him for a little leeway, please. He gets a drawing of Adam and Danny out, asks Jack Danny who the other boy is, and as Danny gets agitated, Jack's British accent starts coming out. He finally answers, says the other boy is Adam, and Stan forces him to tell the court who Adam is, and after like resisting, he clearly doesn't want to, he admits that Adam is Danny's twin brother. At which point Stan brings out a photo of Candy and Danny as a baby, but it's just one baby. And from Danny's jail cell in the barn, Danny starts pulling his chains, obviously thinking hard about what's being said. In the courtroom, Stan asks where Adam is, and Jack says he died. Stan says when he was a boy, right? Not a baby? And he starts laying down picture after picture with only one boy in it. As Danny inside the barn breaks down the door to his cell, trapes through the barn into the watery room where his retired altars live. He wades through the water in the crowded room till he finds Adam and he grabs his hands and he pulls him up and you can see finally like Danny understands. In court you see him looking down say Adam and then look up again and now you can tell um, like you're saying Kimberly like you can just like tell by looking at him that now he's Danny. Leading And leading up to this, the court just saw like an increasingly agitated Jack getting angrier and angrier until he was fully speaking in British accent. But now that it's Danny, Stan asks again, what happened to Adam? And Danny finally answers honestly, he had to go away. He had to go away because he wanted it to happen. He wanted Marlon to do whatever he wanted to do to him. And he raped him over and over. But Danny wanted him to. So he had to send him away. Stan asks again, who is Adam, Danny? My brother, he says, but you never had a brother, did you? And he just shakes his head. He was me. Adam is me. And there it is. What they've been looking for, like what they've been trying to get this whole show. They finally got it. And you can see the jury taking it in, Raya crying, and Stan rests his case. I was really impressed with how Tom like switched his accents. He had like so many accents in this scene. He had like Danny, different American accent that Jack was putting on Jack's accent. That the scene when he turned around is like, yeah. oh, that was the part I was, yeah, that was the part I was going to bring up. I love that because like, imagine what that looks like to the jury. Like they've been told this this whole time and they're really seeing it like happen right in front of their faces. And like the way he physically turns around, stop it. Like he, like the mirroring what's going on in the mind. It was just, oh. Yeah, and the realization that, like, on his face when we see him in the barn, and then like the flashes to the barn, and him just like running. I just love the whole thing how they flash back and forth yeah. between them. Yeah, no, it was cut together really well. Um, Tom's performance was a masterclass, it was just amazing, like you've all said. And uh, yeah, like, my only gripe is that I feel like this was supposed to be like a huge revelation, but I feel like all of us predicted this early on. I think overall, that's one of my biggest things that I, I think they, the show could have been better if they hadn't insisted on making it, you know, all these twists and just explored right. the the subject matter yeah. itself is so fascinating. And, you know, spending five episodes trying to fool the audience. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember early on in the season, I was starting to wonder about Adam. I didn't know for sure. But I feel like I knew for sure after the episode that focused on Adam, where we see 
like the dynamic between the two of them, that was when it just clicked like, okay, I think Adam was another altar that he had. Yeah. I think that's the same with me. I think that's when it kind of clicked. Oh, like, yeah, I think Adam could probably 90% be him. Yes, solidify a lot of things, I think, because he, like Adam, was not person on his own, kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, he was kind of a different character the way he was presented. and But I thought it was really obvious in the last episode when they just avoided speaking about him yeah at all ever everybody like yeah it 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 seemed like um I really thought that they could have had the reveal happen with Candy on the stand that she could have I don't know it somehow it could have come out that um she only had one son or she only you know Adam wasn't or she could have said you know Adam wasn't my son Adam was Danny's secret um what did they call it Uh, imaginary friend or something like that it does make you wonder, though, why why research wasn't done into birth certificates and for Adam and Danny, there's obviously no birth certificate for Adam because he's not real. And obviously that's another thing, right, Candy said that obviously he wasn't abused, but why didn't she say anything about his different personalities and mm-hmm. Adam? Like it's just another thing that she fucked him over on really well like, and they didn't ask that wasn't any of the questioning that they gave her when she was on the stand the only thing stan wanted her on the stand for was the sexual abuse or any abuse so you know but like you just said kimberly he could have asked that like that's his opportunity you know what about his behavior did you notice him changing his behavior into uh sides of himself that didn't seem like himself or something I don't know the best way to say it but he didn't use that opportunity to ask her about his personalities and she's lived with him for his whole life so she should know yeah yeah the thing is like I always felt like that Candy or his mom was just like when he was younger like Adam was just invisible friend for her I think yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah. So um, this is why she knows kind of, she knows him, right? So it's like we had the scene uh-huh. with, with, um, with Raya and, and Candy and she and Raya asked about Adam and she said, oh yeah, he, him. Because like, I think she just thought like, okay, this is a friend and this is completely normal. Like everybody has an invisible yeah. friend. And at some point he's gone, and and also her guilt. It's always her guilt. I think like it with uh-huh. Candy, it's always her guilt. She doesn't want to accept that something is wrong with her son because she's part of the problem. Uh-huh. But like what Kate was saying originally about how they've they held on to this reveal about Adam for the finale, but they easily could have, like when Candy was on the stand transitioned into a questioning about but isn't it true that Danny's brother was abused by Marlon and Danny didn't have a brother it just seems like it could have come out earlier but they wanted so badly to hold on to it for the finale but but like Kate was saying it made it obvious after we've been hearing about Adam sorry all season long it made it obvious in season in episode uh, nine that 
it couldn't be real because they weren't using him at all in their line of questioning. And audiences are so savvy to this type of story at this point. Like yeah, it's been done it's happened before. So, often. so they mm-hmm. it's they're not the first ones to tackle something like this or tell the story in this way. Yeah. And it's odd too though, because Raya's like questioning was very aggressive. Like it was very obvious, you know? Like uh-huh. why do they appear and disappear when you need them? Even in the opening credits, that's what we're always praising. I mean, there, there, there's a transition. Um, I think it's actually a transition connected to the barn. And then there's like an image of like multiple faces next to each yeah. other. It's like there's so many clues right. that they put it's in there. And the it's like, room and... if you really <laughs> wanted to hold on to that, it would have been nice to have more open conversations throughout. Yeah, it was hard till the end. All right, moving on. There's a voiceover that starts here, which turns out to be Raya interviewing with Danny. It's more like Danny interviewing Raya, but it plays as the verdict is read. Raya asks Danny how he felt as the verdict was read, and he says he just remembers the quiet. He wasn't used to it, not having all the voices in his head come to his rescue, but he had found something that saved him. And after they read Not Guilty, Danny recites the lyrics of Let It Be. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. And she laughs and asks if he was saved by a Beatles song. And he says, no, it was you, Raya. You saved me. How did you feel? She says she was crying and screaming at the same time, but mostly really tired. He notes that it's odd having him ask her the questions and jokes where is ariana which is funny and she laughs and he kind of reveals that i guess his psychologist you know wanted him to go over all of this with her or allowed him to and he tells her he missed her but was she really just tired and she says no it was anticlimactic there was no victory speech we hadn't won your freedom just something smaller a chance and you were just gone working with another therapist which she understood intellectually but didn't like to be honest she worried about him all the time until she heard from his mom and then you see candy walking into a room with all the paintings from the intro such beautiful paintings riot informs us the audience that he didn't let her come see him for two whole years before finally giving in to letting candy visit him and facing the music he says jack shout out candy asks about the lights in his paintings are they stars and he says they're fireflies and he looks kind of like sad or ashamed or something when he says it maybe but I, I think because that's what he pretended to watch while he was being raped is that what you guys got from that I was more um curious why she seemed surprised it was fireflies right she said like fireflies um, maybe they don't have fireflies and he I was don't know. imagining them I, I just think this is like a good memory for him for some reason do you think the fireflies are a good memory yes I think uh-huh. I think so I think it's the opposite that's interesting <laughs> okay let me elaborate in a good sense that this is the first day when Adam was rescuing him, right? Savior, being a savior, right? Yeah, when his personality started appearing. So this is his memory of being saved by Adam. Interesting. So I think it's it's a good memory for him, kind of. You cannot change your emotions, right? I know Danny knows of the abuse, right? Mm-hmm. But I still yeah. think that um, his pain is linked to his personalities, to the other personalities. I think when you integrate them, he's taking that pain on, though, right? I think that's the point of it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's my understanding. Obviously, this is not a topic I'm well-educated on. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the, also hard to tell for us because we do not have this disorder, right? But I would say that a lot of his pain is linked to his personalities. And this is why he created his personalities, because they kind of close in those pains. Personally, I think it's more. I think it's bringing it entirely on into your conscious mind, the pain and everything about that personality. And it sounds like he does get therapy along with so Mm -hmm. that they can help him through and guide him through as he's finally dealing with all of this himself because Mm -hmm. the altars had been protecting him from all of those painful emotions before. Then they go, they go for a walk. Candy finally left Marlon. He showed up a couple times a week outside her building, drunk for a while until the cops got involved and she hasn't seen or heard from him in more than a year. She's in counseling. She thinks about Danny all the time, but she knows she hasn't been a good mom. He looks a bit angry maybe before he finally asked her the glaring question, when did you know? And he makes eye contact with her then. She sits down on a bench and tells him how she bravely saved them both from his real father. She was pregnant at 16, and when Danny was only four, she came to understand that he... She can't even say it, so it seems Danny was abused by his real father at the horrific age of four, before any of what we've seen with Marlon, which is like, uh, must have been the worst admission to hear that, you know, your biological father did this to you also. It reminded me a lot of some episodes ago, Raya said that abused people like victims have this quote-unquote neon signs on them that abusers could recognize and right. um, that's why they get like abused over and over Repeatedly again. Abused. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. And it's so sad. Yeah, and we don't ever um, get confirmation about this on Candy's side, but else and it makes me wonder if she experienced mm-hmm. anything even prior yeah. to her first husband herself like before she had Danny like maybe she's always been a magnet yeah. for predators and that just continued after motherhood but I loved like as you were reading that back Kate about uh, she's finally starting to say the right things yeah you know, she's admitting she's been a she hasn't been a good mom she's let him down so badly I loved Danny was just quiet and yeah I, I saw it as stone face like I think maybe yeah sure anger like absolutely why wouldn't she be and I love when he asks her yeah when did you know because he doesn't let her off the hook He's not immediately saying it's okay. Right. He's not accepting her apologies. She's he's really because you know why should he? Her, yeah, why should he? Her inaction. No, that's what I, I had. Is her inaction ruined his his mind, his body, and his life? So why would he just like get, let her off the hook? So I loved that he was like holding her accountable um, for her actions or inactions, her complicity and letting it happen, that he just remained stone-faced and still with her and let her sweat it out. Like she's, yeah. she's, she's finally admitting yeah, it, but exactly. like she doesn't deserve to be let off the hook anytime soon. Agreed. I also thought like the whole thing was more for herself. Yeah. And not for Nanny at yeah. all. Agreed. Yeah, she doesn't even answer the question mm-hmm. exactly. Like he she goes on and she talks about Marlon and says he seems strong uh and he could take care of us and we needed that. I needed that. Yeah, I needed that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of ice and yeah. And then she says she thinks for a long time she told herself it wasn't true. 
It couldn't be true. She couldn't have brought another man like that into their lives, but she did. And she's sorry for what she let happen. And she wouldn't blame him if he never forgives her because a parent is supposed to protect a child and she failed and she knows that. Yeah. And he just says he's glad she came. And then when she asks if she can come back, Mm -hmm. he glares at her and doesn't answer. And she says, maybe he'll change his mind. Maybe she'll keep asking, which he Mm -hmm. tells Raya is bullshit, basically. I feel like it was so like glossed, not glossed over, but the part that you almost could have like missed it the bit where it was thought wasn't even revealed as such that he was abused by his dad you know you had kind of just had to like read between the lines she doesn't say it yeah like she couldn't say it out loud yeah I thought it might be like a bigger conversation maybe had with someone but we didn't see that well, and we know that but he, yeah. like, idolized his dad, right, from, like, mm-hmm. the London, like, Seems trip so, and stuff. Yeah. So to have that revelation would have been just heartbreaking. Right. If she said, like, that his dad or she left early, so maybe he has no memories of his dad. He's lacking it. I think dad. earlier in the show, it's referenced that he hadn't seen his dad since he was six, I think. Right. I, I always felt like that Danny doesn't really know his dad and just imagine something, you know? He never met I like he has no yeah. has no conscience about yeah. meeting him. And I think that's that's you know? kind of common like with um children whose parents have split, but maybe they've never really known their father or a parent and they built up them up in their head like a spy and that's why he can't be with us is because he has to be doing these important missions because they don't want to admit that he's just gone because he's he's a bad father and he flaked out on them yes raya tells danny that candy's not going to follow through she's not going to try sometimes the best is just not enough and then he asks how raya is and we see a peak uh, yeah raya's on, also not the perfect mom you know right her mom's still taking care of her her kids eating cocoa puffs she's seeing patients now instead of professing and her mom's you can see her mom's really proud of her though for putting a new diagnosis in the dsm back to danny raya asked about his integration it's obvious to her it's working and then his doctor knocks on their door time's up she asked danny to walk her out she compliments like it's funny because i made a note before she said it that i didn't feel like i saw a lot of johnny or ariana or mike or jack in this new danny um he's definitely different but i just i don't see some of the like best parts of them Mm -hmm. i guess was my thought and then immediately after that she compliments him for having all the best parts of them she says he has jack's intelligence mike's charm ariana's confidence they're all you and he says not all of them i have an unpaid debt and it's my time to be the guardian angel see you soon doc and she walks out pondering what he said, looks up at the window and sees not just Danny, but Adam as a child too. And then we leave Danny as he's about to paint and there are fireflies in the room as, of course, Let It Be plays. But yeah, it was funny that I kind of had the opposite comment of what mm. Raya said. I thought I'd see, I thought we'd see more of his previous personalities integrated into new Danny, but I don't know what that would look like yeah. either. So I always felt like, as Raya said, that he could be everything of those things in one person without personalities, without the altars. I love the the whole scene as well. Like I feel like I have such a like broken record on these these episodes where I'm just like saying how amazing that cinematography and the lighting and even the colors as well. Like what they were wearing. Like Raya was wearing like a reddy orange shirt, and he had the the blue shirt on and it just looked so nice together like the coloring and the background the gardens even I don't know where they were but that's a really nice um, facility that he's at the gardens looked so nice when he was walking under the the arch kind of with it with his mum and sitting on the bench it just looked really beautiful yeah 
back to his like personality. Um, I think I mostly noticed him behaving more like Jack, but without the accent. Like he seemed very calm and, but also like more, I think I did note more confidence in him. He seems like elevated, more mature, I guess, from the Danny we had seen before. Yeah. Mm. And I would say, yeah, I, I think the ones that she pointed out, Jack, Mike, and Ariana are probably, if he's going to integrate the best, yeah, if he's going to integrate right the best of his alters, I think Johnny didn't help a whole lot at the time. So yeah, <laughs> if there's any that maybe leave that one out, leave that one in the water <laughs> in the crowded room. I also took a note that um, he quoted Shakespeare, what's past his prologue. So I, I looked it up and it's a quote from Antonio in the Tempest. And apparently there's a double meaning to it. I think the first meeting I got or I wrote down is probably what they intended, but I'll read both. Um, the first meaning is everything that has taken place in the past is in preparation for the opportunities to come. The second one is a little bit more cynical and it would be what took place in the past inevitably repeats itself because we don't learn from our experiences and mistakes. So I thought it was interesting that there's like two ways to look at what's past his prologue, mm. but I'm, he said it with a sm- smile. Yeah. So I'm thinking that he meant it in a positive way. So this was obviously such a well done series from the acting performances, the cinematography, the costumes, we could go on and on forever. But having purposefully not read the real story of Billy Milligan before watching the show, I was fairly shocked to learn afterwards that the real life uh, man that Danny is very loosely based on was actually nicknamed the campus rapist and his personalities had allegedly raped several women as well as possibly murdered two men over the course of his life. The actual similarities between the show Danny and the book and real life Billy Milligan are pretty limited actually. Billy Milligan was the first person to get off in court by reason of insanity with a multiple personality disorder. MPD Mm. had never been acknowledged as legitimate in court before Billy's case so that's the same as here with Danny. And I think they had a few similar personalities, a Yugoslavian man, a 19-year-old woman named Adelina, a British man, I believe. Um, And Billy was abused by his stepfather. Thankfully, though, Billy's mom and siblings did testify in court about that abuse. So in this show, Danny Mm. is fully a victim, basically, whereas in the real life story, Billy or his personalities were the perpetrator of many violent crimes, though he was also the victim of terrible childhood abuse. So I just, I think yeah. it, I guess it bothers me a little bit on behalf of his victims that the show purports being based however loosely on him, but paints him only as yeah. a victim in this scenario. Cause like Danny's crime is hundred percent understandable, yeah. right? He merely attempted to shoot his own rapist, yeah. something mm-hmm. like nobody's going to fault him for yeah. hardly anyone. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, something about that yeah. doesn't sit right with me. And I know a couple of our group members agree, yeah. mm-hmm. but Rachel and Which, Julia disagree. Yeah, yeah. this is, this is perfect point as you just explained thing you just because you and Kimberly are in a disappointment thing and Rachel and I are more like okay we can accept that so it's right really really interesting discussion like originally when this topic was brought up um I was thinking along the lines of like the purpose of the show was not to tell Billy Milligan's story it was to tell a similar story with a different character so that's why I was separating the two mentally but I think I want to reserve further judgment or like critique of it because I haven't watched the um documentary the Netflix yeah obviously those who watched it feel very differently about it so perhaps I would change my mind if I watched it as well so Violet was the one who brought up 
that the personalities that they chose for Danny to have on the show are similar to the personalities that Billy Milligan was supposed or that he said he had as well. Mm -hmm. So Kate, you've made the point as well that they could have made it even more fiction if they really wanted to tell a separate story and and focus more on the mental health because I feel like that was their intent, but maybe they could have had Mm -hmm. different personalities instead of ones that are closer to Billy's. And I don't know if we get ever an answer for this but is 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 it legally correct to use that was my question as well because because it is like loosely based on yeah. the real story did they have to put that in the beginning like but the problem for me is that what i personally think they should have done was instead of just saying it's based on such and such book I think they should have said that but also said we have changed parts of it but we've created our own version of this to mm-hmm. show like a different side of someone who has this disorder you know not someone mm-hmm. that right. is mm-hmm. obviously a horrible uh-huh. rapist I would think that if it's just based on it tended to tell Billy's story exactly that they could have changed details like that if it's just inspired that was my original thought was it was just inspired by but they wanted to tell a different story me too but i think i agree with what violet said that if they wanted or and i think kate said the same thing probably kimberly about you know making it more even more fictionalized if that's what they wanted to do so like making the personalities so similar Mm -hmm. probably yeah Yeah. they could have come up with different personalities and i don't think from like you're saying from a legal standpoint I don't think that would be a problem if they're just using it as inspiration. Yeah, but the, the thing is, is, if it's too close to something that really happened, can you, from a legal standpoint, say it's fiction, you know? Or do you have to mention the sword? The whole part about the trial is obviously real and, you know, it being recognized. So that's one part of why they probably had to had to yeah. include that because obviously you can't just write a story when, you know, it's actually mm-hmm. based on yeah. something that actually mm-hmm. happened. But I think the problem as well is that people who would have like seen a documentary or read the book and they started the show would have been waiting for that moment you know the reveal of him actually not being such a great person and then it never comes and they're just like what what's going on like he's you know what I mean that yeah yeah like Raquel that was Raquel Raquel watched the documentary and had a very specific impression of him and was looking forward to the reveal yeah you know how they mm-hmm. play that out and then it never happened and she was mm-hmm. like what the how do you ignore the fact that he's yeah. actually like a criminal yeah. i know but in contrary i still like it more what what they did with it yeah now. i don't well yeah because yeah, you can't watch a show about a rapist mm-hmm. and sympathize and feel like good about yourself but the message is different mm-hmm. totally different i just think that that's what's wrong it's, with it's really important for the show yeah i mean i think like for us now the question is not if the show was good or anything but or if it was based on uh, real life experiences but the fact that like if it's be- like kind of believable if you if you think that okay um the real life story is way different and even more hurtful for all people involved for victims and things and it's based on that or if you think like that if you watch the show and you think like the message and the message in this show is like okay you have yeah a mental problem i think the message that they were trying to convey definitely came through 
it's just the fact that it was the real life thing. It's hard to, yeah, um, you know. Yeah, like I can't tell you how shocked I was to read the words campus rapist yeah. when I like looked up yeah, the story exactly. after we finished. Uh-huh. I was like, what? Yeah. yeah, totally different. Like, no, that would feel terrible yeah, to the audience. Yeah. So you yeah. reversed it into he's just a victim and then it just doesn't feel like the same story. So. I just hear the word ra- rapist and I'm done. So. By the way, the documentary that we keep referencing is called Monsters Inside, The 24 Faces of Billy Billigan, which you can find on Netflix and learn more about his real life story. But um, yeah, obviously we don't all feel the same way about the real life story versus how it was presented on the show. But but that fact, I thought it was, yeah, I, I really liked the show. Yeah. The I production it. of it especially was amazing. The acting, mm-hmm. just everything. And the story, even if I... The lighting. Yeah, the lighting. Uh, my favorite part. Well, yeah, I'm glad I hadn't read the real life story yeah, first exactly. because then, then i yeah. was able to experience yeah. the show uh-huh. i'm still completely dividing the show from the book mm-hmm. and then this person i think i read in an article that i need to find to confirm but i think i read that the original script that tom holland read yeah. was actually much truer yeah. to billy milligan <laughs> it was the you know campus rapist story he said and then the uh, did okay. community i believe fought back and said we don't you know want us represented that way so they made changes so that's understandable right i love this story i love the this 10 episode yeah it's a great show. i think their intent was to tell a, a separate story and to focus on the mental health instead yes of- absolutely yes. Yeah. yeah definitely yeah. we can all yeah. agree on that yeah this is why I'm completely separating the original thing that happened and the inspirational mm-hmm. part, you know, yeah. like the, the original story. And of course, maybe I'm not right to do that. I'm definitely not going to try to, I don't want to offense the survivors or the families of the original stories, you know? Yeah, well, I know that Akiva Goldsman, the creator of the show, the whole message was mental health. and yeah, It was very important. Yeah. All right. I think that's a wrap on, well, the crowded room. Come back sometime soon for our next show, which we will announce in the near future before shows come to a, a stop because of the writer's strike and the actor's strike, which we are fully supportive of, of course. Check us out on our social media, our Instagram, especially our Instagram and also our Twitter. You'll find a new show announcement coming soon. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.